You're listening to the weekly podcast of Liberty Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut. We pray you enjoy today's message. Worship team, thank you, church, for singing out this morning. The name of Jesus is certainly powerful, and sometimes we forget that. And so I hope today's message will help us refocus ourselves uh, this morning. Before I start, though, junior church, up through third grade, if you are third grade and under in the building right now, you may excuse yourself down to junior church. (laughs) We should probably have a few cameras that just are focused on these kids as they go down because... It is somewhat hilarious what happens and takes place on the dismissal here. While, while we're watching them go down, Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles. Luke chapter 10 this morning. So, Jordan, who has lost his voice, was, was scheduled to preach today. And uh, as things... <laughs> They supported you. That was an amen in support of you. <clears throat> I, think, I don't think they were amening the lost the voice part. Maybe they were. I don't know. Um, but he was scheduled to preach today. And uh, as things would happen, um, you know, Dustin gives me a hard time about having bad luck because just it seems like, you know, neither one of us believes in luck like that. But it just it so happens that things just seem to happen a certain way for me. And, and I know it's not the biggest. Thing. My, my bad luck is the trivial stuff. It's like the little stuff. The little stuff that builds up, and then it just becomes this big thing. It's like, oh my gosh! Like everything had to happen, and then and then I throw a pity party. Um, so we we went on vacation this past week. We went to Tennessee for a family reunion, and uh, everything's good, except we didn't rest. Um, we were, we went to bed late. We woke up early, and it wasn't because we wanted to. It was because there was a schedule, and when I go on vacation. I'm not the person that schedules every hour of the day. I know some of you are like that. I'm not. Like, I want to schedule one or two big things for the day. We go do those things, but there's so much flexibility in the schedule that we can kind of just chillax and enjoy it and have fun and make, make changes and so forth. And, uh, and so uh, it was all scheduled. And then after the family reunion, which was just a few days, we would stay in hotels. And hotels have breakfast. And we want to eat breakfast, but breakfast only goes to a certain time. And so you have to get up to go to breakfast because you already paid for the room and for the breakfast. I don't care if they call it free. It's in the bill. They can say it's free all they want, but it's in the bill. If they didn't have breakfast provided, it would be a little bit cheaper per night. Anyway, so I want to go to breakfast, not spend more money going somewhere else for breakfast. Though we did get to visit a Waffle House, and that was amazing. Um, Anyway, for those of you that have never been to Waffle House, I will tell you all their rumors are true. And, uh, but the food is amazing. And uh, I don't care how many roaches you see or how greasy the grill is. Uh, <laughs> those cheese eggs are fire. And so I will go to Waffle House any chance I get, especially now that I'm up here and there's not one around us. Uh, maybe one day. But anyway, so we didn't get to rest. We come back, and I'm like, man. And I, I posted it online. Everybody's like, you need a vacation from your vacation. I was like, yeah, I do. I need, I need days to just, like, lay in bed and just do nothing. And, uh, and then when you have kids, of course, you can't do that either. So, um, But speaking of the bad luck part of this, so I get home, and Friday I start having a pain in my tooth that I got a crown on. 
And I'm like, no, I slept on it wrong. Maybe I, you know, you slept on my face wrong. Maybe I was, you know, just like, like that or something. Um, or maybe I was grinding my teeth when I sleep. I don't think I do that, but maybe I was. And so I just dismissed it. And then yesterday I was like, uh-oh, I think it's infected. Had a root canal, had it, I think it was like six months ago, had a crown put on. And so there's that. <laughs> so this was hurting. I took some Tylenol this morning, put some uh, colloidal silver on it, and uh, it's, it feels good right now. But watch me. Watch me do something uh, with my mouth. And go, uh. um, anyway, so I have to eat on this side. It happened on a weekend, so I can't go to the dentist. I have to wait till tomorrow, if they're even open tomorrow, because most places are closed tomorrow and Tuesday. And uh, so I'm going to deal with that. And then Jordan texted me yesterday. He's like, Craig, can I send you my notes? <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> but uh, turns out I, I was asked to preach at their family reunion, and so I had a message prepared for that. And so um, Dustin, he texted me. He's like, hey, bring that fresh, warm bread. And, uh, you know, just being silly. And I said, well, it's not going to be fresh. It'll be about a week old, but I'm going to bring the bread this morning. So Luke chapter 10 is where we are. <sighs> Let's get into it. So this was all planned for family. And when I wrote out the introduction, there's a certain way that I went with it because, you, you know, you're going to speak to your audience. And so I tried to make some changes last minute to speak to this audience, and then I just gave up because I was like, you know what, my brain's not working right now. We're just going to let what happens happen. And so this morning I was going over my notes again, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to start with this. All right. So let's see where this goes. Have you guys ever wanted something in life so much that that is all you could think about? I mean, there was some gadget, some thing, some material possession, maybe some relationship that you just could, couldn't get out of your mind. You, you wanted that. Maybe it was success of some kind. I remember in the 90s, I was born in 1984. I'll let you sit there and do the math. In the 90s, which was one of the greatest decades, by the way, because now everybody wears helmets and you can't do anything. We used to ride in the bed of a pickup truck on the highway, and it was great, you know. Um, now you can't do that. My daughter can't sit in the front seat because there's the airbags. Um, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> thank God for safety. But in the 90s, they had this gaming device called a Game Boy. And the original one was, it wasn't black and white, but it was like a, it, it, just, it wasn't colored. Um, I forget, uh, melochromatic or whatever, I, I don't know the word. Monochromatic, yeah, melochromatic. I made a word up. Um, it's like monochromatic, but it's kind of mellow. Um, but monochromatic, and so everybody, some of my friends had this device, so everybody had this device when I go to my parents and say, I want this device. But then Sega came out with one called the Game Gear, and the Game Gear had a color screen, and it had Sonic, and Knuckles, who was the man, because Knuckles, the red dude with the hair slicked back, and he's got the big knuckles, of course, and he, like, can climb, and he just looks cool, and I don't think they did him justice in the most recent movie, but anyway, he was in there, and it was cool. All right, Sega Game Gear. We drove 30 minutes to church, there and back, and as a kid, I thought, you know, I could kill this time really well if I just had a Game Gear. And I could play that thing, colored screen, and I found out that they had a TV adapter with an antenna. And so you could watch local channels. There's nothing on during the day except for the weird stuff, but um, 
it would be so cool to be like, guys, check it out. I can watch TV. And this is, you know, anyway, as a kid, I love gadgets, by the way. If you haven't figured that out, I love gadgets. And uh, anyway, so I wanted this Game Gear. And I just, all I could think of was like, how do I get this? Now, I'm in the 90s. So my, my grade, uh, my elementary schooling corresponded with the year. So in 1991, I was in first grade, in 92, second grade, and so on. And this was probably about 93, 94, that I knew that the Game Gear was a thing and that I really wanted it. But at that time, there was not an opportunity for me, at least in my little brain, not knowing stuff, to work, get money, to buy this $150 device. And in the 90s, that was a lot more money than it is now. And, but I knew I wanted it. I never got that. Mom and dad never bought it for me. I never went out and mowed enough lawns to earn the money and buy that thing. But since that time, I said never again. If I want something, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. Lord willing. You got to put that at the end so it sounds spiritual. There's a few things that doesn't apply to, though. I mentioned a Corvette earlier. Guys, I would love. <laughs> I've always loved the 69 Stingray Corvettes. And then they came out with the new ones. And I was like, oh, and I've gotten, like, I had a detail business before I moved here. And uh, I've gotten to detail those things and not drive them on a road, but back them in and out of driveways. And you sit down in the seat. It feels like you're in a cockpit. It's just, oh, it was made for me. And I just, I love them. But that's one, one thing that is not, it's not one of those focused things that I'm like, no matter what, I'm going to get this thing. Before we moved here, we lived in Texas. And I've always wanted to buy some land and build a barn dominium. And if you don't know what that is, it's really a, a big building. They put little rooms inside, but really it's an open space, and it's just it's, it's bigger and it's cheaper to build than it is to build a regular house. And so I thought this would be awesome to have a barn dominium. I have pictures on my phone saved. This is kind of what I want here, what there. I want to build a theater room. Like, I had all these things. I wanted to have, like, an acre or two of property so I could build a go-kart track, and me and the boys could, like, build go-karts and just race them and jump them and all this kind of stuff. Had all these plans. And when we were in Texas... I was like, this is going to happen. And then God moved us here, and I've kind of pushed that one to the side. I said, God, if you want me to have that one day, I'm going to give that one to you. I can't focus on that one because that's just going to distract. But for all the other lesser things in my life, I still, like, if I get locked onto something, how do I get this? How do I make this happen in my life? Whether it's relationships, whether it's gadgets, whether it's a house, whether it's whatever the thing is in your life, there are times where we are so locked in to something. Our desire is so locked into this thing that everything else, it's like, it's like having blinders on, having tunnel vision. We're just, that's the goal. That's the prize. And we kind of forget about everything else. For some of us, in here, that's, that's relationships, especially with the younger ones, boyfriend, girlfriend. How do I make her mine? I have some tips for y'all. I found a letter that Amy wrote me, and uh, I'd share it with y'all, but then I was going to make up all this stuff so it sounded cooler, and uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. So She's in the nursery right now, though, so she probably wouldn't even know. Craig, you're the coolest, smartest, funniest, best-looking dude in all the world. She doesn't talk like that. Anyway, <clears throat> but it may be relationships. For some of us, it may be a vehicle of some kind. Like, that's my dream car, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get that. 
For some of us, it may be success of some form. Like, I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to graduate from this school with this, with this grade point average, or I'm going to attain that, uh, this thing or that thing. <clears throat> Whatever it is, we all in here know what it is to kind of lock our mindset, our hearts, and our desires onto something. So my question to everybody in here, including myself today, is this. Who or what has your heart? Who or what has your heart? Who or what has my heart? Luke chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 38 down through verse 42. It says, now it came to pass as they went, and this is Jesus and his disciples, that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. In a lot of places in the world today, hosting people is a big deal. We've kind of lost sight of that in our Western culture a little bit. I know there's pockets and, and different peoples that like to host, and they do very well at that. But hosting guests, visitors, was a big deal at this time. And so when Jesus was, especially your guest is Jesus. So Martha runs to the, the kitchen, I'm assuming, and I know houses were different then. It probably all in the same room, uh, or if it was, barely divided. Nonetheless, she's, she's, trying to, she's trying to put some food together, maybe get some drinks for, for, for Jesus, and, and just get this all ready for their special guest who's in their house. And she's running around like a mad woman, just trying to make this the best experience that Jesus has had in her home. But Mary, her sister, who also lives there, is nowhere to be found helping. She finds her at Jesus' feet, just listening to him talk. Who or what has your heart? Sometimes I think we get so busy doing good things that we miss the best thing. I have the privilege to be in ministry full-time, to work on staff here. And I thank you guys for that opportunity. I don't know why God brought us here. I don't know why he put me in this position. I don't know why you guys still pay me. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's a privilege, and, and, and I love it. But there are times where I'm so busy doing good things that I forget the best thing. And in our lives, we can get so busy doing the things that we forget the best thing. Some of us in here, we teach Bible study classes. For the kids, maybe young adults, I teach the teens, maybe the adult group. Some of us in here, we might help on a Wednesday night program. We might come to VBS and help with VBS. Some of us are on the worship team. Some of us in here uh, are on the cleaning team uh, for this church, for this building. And thank God for you. Um, I'm a part of that, and I just I appreciate the help. <laughs> uh, sometimes Mike, I think, has had to do it almost solo the last 
week because I wasn't here, but he, he got some help. Thankful for people that step up and, and help doing things like that. Some of us are helping with maintenance, are helping with, um, I mean, you name the ministry. Mentoring, discipleship, nursery. And we're, we're involved and we're a part of good things. But I think too often we forget the best thing. And we give and we and we give and we give and we do and we do and we do, but our cup eventually runs empty. And this is something I was looking forward to vacation because I felt like I was becoming emotionally and mentally stressed. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was or why it was. And I think a big part of that was I was doing, 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 but I wasn't filling my own cup. I wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus. I wasn't doing what was best. I was doing what was good. And I think it started to stress me out a little. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to reset. And I did a little bit. But guys, we can only pour out what's already been poured into us. We can only do ministry as we've been poured into You see, as we've met here this morning in this church building, because this is the church here, the people, because we could have met at the park, probably not today, but we could have met somewhere else and still had church. As we meet here, our purpose for being here is not solely to occupy one of these seats and listen to me spill out some words. Our purpose is for each one of us in here to use our gift that God has given us, our spiritual gifting, to encourage and edify one another to then go out this week to be the testimonies and the lights that we're supposed to be to a lost and dying world. As we worship together, as we fellowship together, as we encourage one another, as we listen to each other's heartaches, because we live in a world that's sin-cursed and falling apart, kind of like my body, we are here to encourage one another and edify and boost each other up so that we can go out the rest of this week until we come again into this place and do the same thing over and over again. But we can't really invest in other people if our cup's not full. And our cup won't be full if we're only busy doing like Martha was doing, prepping and getting things ready, trying to serve Jesus, which is what I'm sure every one of us would do if we were hosting Jesus physically at our home. If I was hosting Jesus physically at my house, I would rush home right now, start cleaning up some things, start prepping some, I don't know what Jesus drinks. He turned water into wine. uh, I got some sweet tea from the south. Uh, I'll make that taste delicious. I can't drink it anymore because I'm on a meal plan and vacation's over. Calories don't count on vacation, right? Thank you. Um, but I would prep the best that I could, probably go out and buy some of the best steaks. I mean, Jesus deserves it. And I can understand what Martha was doing. She wanted to make this a great experience for her special guest in her home. And Mary wanted to hear Jesus. And what I don't understand about this story is Martha comes out, and she gets her her guest involved in this little spat. Jesus, tell her to help me. Like, that's that's... Not how to host 101. 
don't get the guests involved in your little spats in the house. You guys ever been to somebody's house? <laughs> and, and they start having a spat, but they're trying to do it nicely and like trying to cover it up. It's like, guys, it's like I'm watching a sitcom. I know what's going on. It's just awkward now that I'm watching it. So I like to encourage it. If, if I'm at a, I don't like to feel awkward, so I'm just going to embrace it. And uh, sometimes I'll get my phone out and just start, like, act like I'm recording. And it gets them to laugh. Other times I'll jump in on one side and then argue and be like, oh, wait, let me jump over here now and argue and, like, and just make it worse. Anyway, you're never going to have me over. But, um, but I can see that, I'm like, why would you bring Jesus into this? But Jesus answers Martha, and he says, Martha, you are so anxious and so careful about everything. And, guys, that's, that's honestly how I've been uh, lately. And, and anxious about what? I don't, I don't even know. I just know I've been anxious, and, and I felt stressed, and, and things have been weighing me down. And I thought, okay, vacation will take care of it. And it did a little bit. I had more time to, to spend in, in God's word. I had more time to, to, to rest a little bit to kind of get out of the daily grind. But, guys, if I don't get back at the feet of Jesus, that stress is not going to go away. It's going to come back, and it's going to continue to weigh me down. I'm not going to be able to invest in others as, I, as I'm called to do as a fellow brother in Christ to you. I'm not going to be able to do my part in sharing the gospel because I don't have anything coming into my cup. There's nothing to pour out except for the blah, and nobody likes the blah. So Martha missed the best part while Mary went straight for it. I love my wife. She's not in here, so this is not for brownie points. It's the truth. I love my wife, but imagine if we had a relationship where we never communicated and all we did were the good things. We work, we pay the bills, I come home and I mow the lawn, I take care of the dog, I sometimes help with the kids, um, we clean the house, we do all the things that we're supposed to do. Make the car payments, pay the stupid property taxes, Guys, you know, our pastor is supposed to be encouraging, but this man texted me yesterday, hey, did you get your property tax bill in the mail? I had no idea it was coming. I was doing good just, just being on vacation. We had not gotten it in the mail. And then he sent a link. You can check it out here. And so on vacation, I clicked the link. And I put in my last name and my first initial. By the way, you can check anybody's property taxes, apparently, because there's no privacy. You just need to know a last name and a first initial. I put it in. Oh, yeah, we already paid that. And then there's two more lines. <gasps> what? Why do I have to pay taxes on something I've already purchased and owned? I don't own anything. I'm just renting. That's my rant, my political rant for the day. Stop voting for more taxes and higher taxes. It's theft. All right, it's, it's, it's somewhere in the Bible. Back to my wife. I love her, but if there was no communication and if it was solely just doing the good things, what kind of relationship would that be? If there wasn't time for me to sit down with her and talk with her and get to know her and her get to know me and learn of her dreams and her desires and, and the, the things that she's going through and struggling, if there wasn't that aspect of our marriage, what kind of marriage is that? And that yet there are many marriages out there just like that where it's, well, we're both doing our part. But there's no communication, and that's what Christianity is. 
in a lot of places, in a lot of our lives, is there's no relationship. There's just the doing. We come to church. We sit in a chair. We might help teach. We might do this. We might do that. And they're all great things. But there's no relationship. There's no communication. And it affects our lives in ways that sometimes we, we don't know, we don't understand, or we can't put a finger on. Because we're missing the best thing. So many people are caught up in religion that they miss the relationship. And one thing I've learned being up here in the Northeast, especially because most people I talk to have a Catholic background. It's not like that in the South. I mean, there's definitely Catholics in the South. But there's a lot more Protestant churches down South. But more and more people that I talk to here have a Catholic background. And it's all about the religious doing of things. Yes, there's Jesus in the story, and there's Jesus a part of the religion, but then there's so much doing of the things that you got to do this to get this, and you got to do that to do that, and you got to be here to do this. And guys, Jesus wants us to have a relationship, He doesn't want us to get caught up in the religion of things because coming to church. That's a good thing, but that's not what this life is about. Getting baptized is a great thing, but that is not what this life is about. God wants to have a relationship with you and I, and we can come and do all the things, but if we're not enjoying a relationship with him, it's simply religion. And religion will not get us to heaven and will not draw us closer to God. It ends up being a list of check checkboxes boxes. All right, this week I, I went to church. Hey, I said a prayer before meal. Lord, bless this food in my body. I don't even know why we say that while we're eating the stuff that we eat. Lord, bless this food in my body. That's, that's like standing on the train tracks with the chain, train coming. Lord, bless this thing that I'm about to do. Jump before it hits me. And I'm swallowing like all this cholesterol and stuff. Lord, bless this food in my body. I prayed before a meal, check. I taught in Sunday school, check. I helped with the sound, check. I did this, check. I helped someone change a tire, check. Those are all good things. But where's the relationship? Where would, the, where would my relationship with my wife be if there wasn't that communication and that aspect of the relationship? It was just doing the things. In Luke chapter um, 14 and verse 26, it says, Jesus says, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I think most of us in here understand that Jesus wasn't telling us to hate our fathers, our mothers, our wives, our children, and so on and so forth. But he is saying that our desire for him, our relationship with him, should be so great, should be so deep, that in comparison, it's like I hate my wife and my children because whatever he asks of me, whatever he wants for me, that's what I'm following after. I'm following him first. I'm not putting the relationship with my wife first. I'm not putting my children first. I'm not putting my siblings, my family, the closest people to me first. I'm putting him first no matter what. And that means if he says, Craig, you're going to be a missionary in the Middle East and you're probably going to be martyred. 
yay in your own life also. Because I'm putting him first. Not my wife, not my kids, not my friends. You know how hard that is? God forbid that anything happened to my wife and my kids. Guys, I know, I know how I feel when somebody doesn't drive properly. How much more do I want justice if somebody were to mess with my family? I cannot even fathom the lack of logic that it takes to hate somebody based on what they believe. And yet that is all around us because we don't fight against flesh and blood. But the devil who's smart enough to say, you know what? These people are going to be a religious people, and I'm going to distract them from Christ by getting them involved in all the things to miss the relationship. He wants a bunch of Marthas and no Marys. My first point today is God is a jealous God. Exodus 34, 14 says, For thou shalt worship no other God. Now, guys, I understand that we're not going home or coming to this building and bowing down to idols, and we're probably not calling out the name of Athena or Zeus or some other god like that. But when he refers to gods or idols, there are other things that we put before him, and that's, that's an idol. That's a god in our life. That's what we're serving. That's what we're living for. Money, health, a relationship, things, whatever it is that we put before God, we have now made that a God in our life. We have now made that an idol. And he says, you shall worship no other God. And then it goes on to say, for the Lord whose name is Jealous. Did you know that one of God's names is Jealous? Whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Have you ever been jealous of someone? I remember in Bible college when I was courting Amy because I was in a cult. <laughs> uh, I, I have a picture where if this is her, this is me and this is us taking a picture together because you couldn't be closer. Have coffee with me sometime. We'll talk about it. Um, anyway, oh, my goodness. I don't even know where I was going with that. I just got so distracted with remembering, remembering that. God's a jealous God. I remember, like, I, I, I could not spend time with her. There had to be, like, another couple there. There had to be another, you know, group of people there. And that's fine. And I'm, I'm for that. Like, kids, don't, don't take what I'm saying right now and twist it. Well, well, Pastor Craig said that we could just go on a date by ourselves. I did not. But there was never a moment where I could just sit there and have a conversation with her. And sometimes I would just want to talk to her and nobody else around, like, I just want to be like, you're beautiful. Because I feel awkward if I say something like that and somebody's over here like, oh, you said you was beautiful and then you started drooling. You know, whatever. You have friends like that. And, but, but because they weren't dating, she could sit down with another guy and they could have a conversation. Just them two. And I remember being jealous. And, like, <laughs> and I thought, she's going she's gonna to fall in love with him instead of me. I mean, except for with this body. That's the only thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was actually in shape in college, by the way. Um, and I'm working to get back there. Anyway. <laughs> this is stupid. But I would get jealous. Now, at the time, we weren't married. She wasn't mine. 
She's my wife now. I can be jealous. It's cool. But at that time, it's a silly thing. But our God, who created us, who gave us life, who gave us everything, he has every right to be jealous. And his name is jealous. And he's a jealous God. And he wants us to put him first and have a relationship with him and nothing else in the way, nothing else interfering with that relationship. He is a jealous God. He should be first. But I want to explain something here, and I have to read it because if I just tried to regurgitate it, it wouldn't work. God's jealousy is not rooted in selfishness or insecurity, but stems from his love for his people. We see this in Exodus 25 where God proclaims himself as a jealous God. He desires an exclusive relationship with his people, wanting them to acknowledge him as the one true God. Nothing else, no one else, he's first. His jealousy is a righteous and protective jealousy, aiming to guard his people from the harm and destruction that idolatry and unfaithfulness bring. God loves us with a love that we don't understand. And we can't even fathom. But the more that we learn of God and what he wants for us and his desire for us and his love for us, the more all of this changes. It becomes so much easier to put him first and to make him number one in our life. The problem is we're distracted. We want to do the good things. It's almost built into us to try and earn a position, a place, and to try to pay God back. And I'm going to tell you right now, we cannot pay God back. If we lived a million lifetimes, we could not pay God back for everything that he's done for us and given us. This is just not going to happen. My second point today is with all of our heart, soul, and mind. In Matthew 22, 37, or if you look up upwards in Luke chapter 10, verse 27 to 28, Jesus affirms the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Everything that we are. When I ask who or what has your heart, our answer should be God because we're supposed to love him with all of our heart. Guys, this is difficult though because we are distracted, because we don't sit at Jesus' feet like Mary and we're so busy being like Martha that we miss the best thing. It is not in us to just love God. And my third point is going to help us understand that a little bit. But we're supposed to love him with all our heart, soul, and mind. Jesus affirms this greatest commandment. This commandment is a call to wholehearted devotion and surrender. It requires us to place God above all else in our lives, seeking him with our deepest affections, our innermost being, and our intellect. Remember that Sega Game Gear? <laughs> I sought that with all my heart, with all my strength, and with all my, well, that limited intellect for a fourth grader, third grader. Why don't I seek God like that? Why isn't God more important to me than my necessary food? Why is he not number one in my life for all that he's done for me? Why do I still fall prey to the distractions and the things of this temporary world? 
When we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, we align ourselves with his divine purpose and invite him to transform us from within. Guys, I was raised up in churches where it was not preached this way, but it was taught by action this way that we would transform ourselves from the outward in. Like a bunch of Pharisees, we had to wear suits and ties when we came to church, and we had to carry a certain Bible, and we had to walk a certain way and talk a certain way and comb our hair a certain way. You can dress the outside up all you want. God wants the heart. And when he has the heart, he transforms us from within, and it will show itself on the outside. It is an invitation to prioritize God above earthly desires, relationships, and ambitions. Our love for him should permeate every facet of our lives, shaping our thoughts, actions, and priorities with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Are you there today seeking God with all your heart, soul, and mind? I can be honest with you as I stand before you and preach this. I'm not. At least I'm not always. And when I am, it seems like it's very temporary. So how do we do that? How do we seek God that way? Number three, our response that way is to his love. Like I said before, the more that we understand his love for us and his desire for us, the more that motivates us to reciprocate that love. Because the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. Because we're that type of being. He tells us to love our enemies, and that goes against everything. We don't naturally just love our enemies. But when we spend time at Jesus' feet, when we learn of his love for us, then we can reciprocate that. And because we see that he loved us even while we were yet sinners, even while we were yet at enmity with him, he still gave Jesus Christ for us. And we understand that and we embrace that. We love him back and we can love others the same. Because it's reciprocated. You guys have heard this analogy. The moon doesn't share any light of its own. It's reflected. It's reflecting the light of the sun. And our Christian life should be that. We should be so close to God, so walking with him, putting him first in our lives, that like the moon reflects the light of the sun, people see Jesus reflected in us. We're not him, but because we're so close to him, he's reflecting through us. And the love we have for one another and the love we have for strangers and the love we have for our enemies is similar to that of what Jesus has for us. In a culture of hectic schedules and the relentless pursuit of productivity, we are tempted to measure our worth by how busy we are, by how much we accomplish, or by how well we meet others' expectations. Guilty. Do, do, do. But the depth of our love for God finds its roots in his overwhelming love for us. We love him because he first loved us. God's love precedes our love. And it was through his unconditional love that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem us from sin and reconcile us to himself. And we'll never be able to outlove or repay God for the love he's poured out on us. And as recipients of God's love, we are called to respond by loving him in return. Our love becomes a reflection of the love we have received. It becomes an act of worship 
of gratitude and obedience. Are you having a hard time being holy? Do you come in here during one way to worship as we sing and find it hard to really get into the music? Do we find it difficult to be grateful for the things that happen in our life? We're not sitting at Jesus' feet. We're not walking with him. I've been in many services where I'm singing and I'm putting a smile on, but it's not from here. The songs we sing today, if we sing them in heaven, as beautiful as it sounds in here, imagine when our hearts are in tune with God, what that's going to sound like, even if it was just these voices. But we're so distracted. We have so many things in place before God, so many relationships, so many desires and ambitions. The more we grasp the depth of God's love, our hearts are compelled to reciprocate, seeking to honor and please him with our lives. Do you understand to any degree how much God loves you? We're filthy, rotten sinners who do not deserve salvation. I could write a list for you right now. Why I don't deserve to even be up here and share the gospel with you. But he is a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God, a forgiving God, a long suffering God, a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances. And his love for us is far greater than our parents' love for us, than our love for our own children, than our love for ourselves. But because we're distracted, we miss it. And then try to make ourselves feel better by just checking the boxes as empty as we are. In conclusion, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. John is pinning the words that Jesus told him to write. He says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, referring to Jesus. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my namesake hast labored and hast not fainted. Some of us in here, our entire lives, We've hated evil, we've labored for God, we've done the things. But then he says, remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of, this, out of his place, except thou repent. Before that he says, thou hast left thy first love. You've done all the things. You hate evil. You've been patient. You've worked. You've done and done and done. 
but you left your first love. I'm not worried about what you guys are wearing in this building today. I'm not worried about what kind of music you have on in your car, what you watch on TV, the friends that you have. I'm not worried about any of that. Because that's it's none of my concern. My concern is, how is our relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if it's where it's supposed to be, everything else takes care of itself. I don't have to sit here and play these pharisaical rules and make us look and dress and act and walk and talk like we're Christians because it will come from within. Every head bowed. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian that's this kind of defines your life like it does mine, not putting God first, checking all the boxes, doing the good things. I want to say thank you for doing the good things. But I want to remind you and I want to encourage you to remember the best thing. Because without Jesus, it's all vain. If you're in here and you don't understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, after we get dismissed, I'm going to be out back there. Find me, shake my hand, and we'll go aside. Not in front of everybody. And I'll show you with the Bible how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what it's all about. The gospel is simply this. We are sinners who have turned our backs on God. We have sinned. We have gone against his holiness. But God loves us so much that he gave Jesus Christ to take our punishment, to take our penalty, to pay for our sin. And if we make him Lord of our life, repent of our sins, and turn to him, we have everlasting life and we begin a relationship with him. If you would like to do that today, please find me after service. I would love to help walk you through the scriptures and help you understand that. Again, those of us who are Christians in here, are we Christian in name only? Or are other people calling us Christians as they did in the Bible times because of how we act, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ? Lord, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you for Jesus, salvation. And even though we are sinners, your love for us is, is, is deeper than, than anything we can fathom. Paul said he was persuaded that there was nothing that could separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And the more I get to know you and the more I learn of you, the more I'm convinced of the same. I pray that you would reveal your love to each and every person in here, that we would place you first in our lives. We quit seeking self and ambition, relationships, putting anything else first but you so that you can shine through us and we can be that gospel light and testimony to everyone else around us. Thank you for your word, the stories that we have in the Bible, the examples that we have. Help us to leave here different, challenged. And when we came in, I pray and ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you guys again for being here this morning. Um, quickly before I let them dismiss us with a song of worship, I do want to make mention, 
Life Group started this past Wednesday. If you have not yet signed up for a life group or if you happen to miss out on a life group this past Wednesday, no worries. You are still welcome to show up every Wednesday at 6.30 and be a part of one of the many groups that we have. I think we have four groups, five groups. Um, One of them, um, just so I can highlight one, Jordan will be teaching if he has his voice back by Wednesday or he's not having a fourth child at that time. Um, But it's, it's based on the book Gentle and Lowly. And guys, I'm going to tell you, I read that book in the last uh, few months, I think it was. That book has been one of the most impactful books in my life outside of Scripture. And I highly recommend, even if you're not in that small group, to get that book and make it a part of your daily devotions or take some time to read it. Because that book will help you see and understand, uh, through Scripture, Christ's love for each and every one of us. So if you have not signed up to be a part of a small group, we invite you 6.30 on Wednesdays. We have a program for kids. We have nursery. So if you're a parent with kids, they're going to be taken care of and watched, have fun. Um, I think they get a lesson too. Uh, But they're going to be taken care of while you're able to just kind of take a break from the children and spend some time with some folks uh, around the Word of God. Thank you guys again for being here. Uh, Next week we're going to have a special guest speaker. And then I switched off with Jordan, so the week after that, Jordan will get to preach. And uh, so we look forward to that, no matter how Miss Doris prays. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Please like our podcast and leave us a five-star review. God bless and have an amazing week.